Hey guys, it's Allie. Welcome back to Infertile Life, the podcast. This is episode 220 called The Millers. This podcast is sponsored by Receptiva DX. Receptiva DX is a powerful test that has helped thousands of women who have experienced recurrent pregnancy loss or IVF failure. The test helps detect inflammatory conditions of the uterus that might be preventing you from becoming pregnant or staying pregnant. The most common underlying condition of a positive Receptiva DX test is endometriosis with or without symptoms. If you or someone you know has struggled with IVF, Receptiva DX may give you the answer and treatment protocols that you're looking for. Talk with your doctor about Receptiva DX because the journey is so worth it. Plus, guys, Infertile AF listeners are getting $75 off the Receptiva DX test. So all you have to do is go to ReceptivaDX.com or download the app Receptiva DX. Use code InfertileAF23 and you'll get $75 off. Thanks, Receptiva DX. Today's episode is presented by Belly. Belly offers modern prenatal vitamins optimized for fertility, prenatal, and post-pregnancy health. To learn more about how to optimize your fertility and pregnancy health, check out their vegan-friendly, dairy-free, non-GMO vitamins for both men and women at bellybaby.com. That's spelled B-E-L-I-B-A-B-Y.com. The best part, if you use code ALLY15, you'll get 15% off your first month of either Belly Women or Belly Men. Again, that's code ALLY15, A-L-I-1-5 for 15% off. Thanks, Belly. Okay, guys. On today's episode, I am talking to Mary Leah and Rodney Miller, and they are going to tell us all about their embryo adoption journey and how they ended up with their baby twins who were born just in December. So they had a 10-year infertility journey. They're going to get into all of it. It's a really interesting story and some of the choices that they made along the way, which were the best choices for them. So I love talking about all this stuff and how everybody's story is so different. So without further ado, this is the Miller's infertility story. So we've got Mary Leah and Rodney Miller. Hey, how are you guys? Thank you so much for being here today. We are great. Thank you so much for having us. Absolutely. I can't wait to get into your story. So let's start at the beginning. How did you two meet? Okay. So Rodney and I met in law school. Yeah. I came down to Alabama. I'm originally from North Carolina, but moved to Alabama and went to law school. And Rodney was a little bit ahead of me in law school. And so that's where we met. And we dated for a year and a half, two years. And we actually lived in the same apartment complex. Yes. Uh, that's how we, we really first met. So Yes. If you want to know the truth, we actually met at the apartment complex pool, but we tend to just tell people law school because it's easier. Um, but yeah. So we met the week before I started law school at the swimming pool. Uh, we do like to tell people it was not love at first sight, but we won't necessarily get into that. Uh, <laughs> but yes, yeah, so we did live in the same apartment complex and, and got to know each other through living near each other and then also through law school and began dating. And so we have been married for 15 years. Yeah. Okay. So did you know right away, like, did you guys start talking about family building and stuff when you first started dating? Were you on the same page in terms of how you wanted to build your family? That, that's interesting you asked that because actually we did. We actually had names picked out. I guess within the first few months of dating, which sounds, I guess, a little strange thinking back on it now. So yeah, we both acknowledged we, you know, we wanted to have children. We both come from, you know, larger families with multiple siblings. Uh, so yeah, that was, that was a part of the plans from the very beginning. Yes. Uh, but I did have a five-year plan in place. Um, I did want to at least work for five years before we started, you know, trying to have, start trying to have children. Now knowing what I know kind of seems like, man, that was five years that we really, we could have learned and understood what was going on with us, but Mm -hmm. um, it's what it is. And it worked out how it was supposed to. So So what did you, Mary Leah, what did you know about fertility? Like growing up, what did you know about your fertility? And when it came time to family build, like you said, you know, you would kind of wish you knew then what you know now, what didn't you know? Well, I guess I just didn't know that it would that infertility was a thing, I suppose. I hadn't heard of anybody in my family having issues. I had siblings. And so it wasn't that 
I thought was going to be an issue um, when we got married. I just assumed it would kind of be like most people, you get married and then we decide to start trying, you know, it may happen. It may take a year or so, but at some point, you know, you will eventually get pregnant. So to think that we were going to have fertility, that was just never, never on our radar whatsoever. And so when we started having challenges, it was And given our journey has been so long over the past 10 years, I think as we've gone through the journey, we've seen and talked to other couples and are learning that, you know, it is a lot more common than than what we realized. But when we first started going through it, you know, we, everyone around us was having children. And so it's just as time progressed, we then began to learn of more people that had issues. So, you know, I didn't really know much about it because it had never been an issue in my family. Right. That makes sense. So were you guys starting to try like about, was it 10 years ago, like about 2013, 2012, 2013, around that time? Yes, that is the time period. We we got married in 2008 and Mary okay. Leah, as she noted earlier, wanted to to work and put her education to, to good use for at least mm-hmm. five years. And turns out she's still working, and, mm-hmm. you know, even, even now that we have the children. But the, the plan was to at least wait five years before starting to have a family. Okay. So what happened when you guys started to try, you said you were having problems. What did that look like for you? So, you know, initially we tried for about a year. And then when that did not happen, um, you know, my doctor then prescribed some medication that you could try to use um, orally uh, to see if that would help. And when we did that for several months, we were then referred to a reproductive endocrinologist. And we went in you know, and kind of did a screening and everything looked fine. I mean, it was, it was something where we had hoped we would find answers, but at that time we really didn't, we were labeled unexplained um, because everything seemed fine. And, you know, the doctor even felt very confident to say that, you know, he thought he could help and that, you know, that we would conceive. And so we then went through some additional treatments um, with assisted with medication. Um, we did four rounds of IUI or not successful. And so after that period of time, we were then told that, you know, your next step is IVF. And so we moved forward with that. And I think we were very hopeful with that. We weren't, you know, we were a little nervous because we didn't know much about it, but we thought that this was going to be the answer to us starting a family. And I think going into that first round of IVF, we had an expectation, you know, we may not get pregnant this round. Um, But what happened that first round is something that we did not, we did not even see coming. We went, you know, everything looked fine. We got a a lot of eggs, they were fertilized. And then we went in the clinic that we used at that time did a day five transfer. So we went in for the transfer and I was told that there would be no transfer because our embryos had arrested or they had stopped developing around like day three. I'll add that that we faced a lot of harsh realizations that I assume a lot of couples who are unfamiliar with infertility deal with. You know, when we first started trying to have children, we weren't expecting it to happen right off the bat that very first month. We weren't surprised when, you, you know, you get a, a negative pregnancy test or two. But after a year or so, we we're, you know, a little, little frustrated. As Mary Leah noted, we never dealt with this. We didn't have anyone in our family who had dealt with it or at least not spoke about it openly. And so then we go through the process of IVF and, um, you know, I'm like, OK, well, we're, we're doing IVF. We're spending all this money. You know, certainly this is going to work. Uh, and then we hit mm-hmm. with another harsh realization of, you know, this isn't automatic. There, mm-hmm. there are still other issues that can happen that we knew nothing about. Mm-hmm. And so to be told that you know, we're not even doing a transfer, you know, they're doing the retrieval, but we're going in for doing a transfer. Mary is taking the medication. She's mm-hmm. in the, the gown. And then to be told, well, there's nothing to transfer. Mm-hmm. We went and checked on her eggs and they've essentially dissolved. It's just, uh, it was very difficult. We were completely unprepared mm-hmm. for, for each and every step that we faced early on. Yes. Absolutely. I think it's so important to note that IVF is not a guarantee. And I think a lot of people think that it is, you know, a lot of people, especially who aren't going through it, you know, they're, you tell somebody that you're doing IVF and they're like, congratulations. And you're like, no, 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 this isn't necessarily a great thing. So thank you for saying that, you know, and stressing that again, because I think it can't be said enough that, you know, this is not a guarantee. There's so many things that have to line up correctly. There's so many things that can go wrong. And unfortunately, 
you know, I say this all the time, but it's one of those things that where the effort does not equate to the outcome. You know, you can do all the things, but that still doesn't mean that you're going to have success and walk away with a healthy pregnancy and a healthy baby. So I didn't know any of that either. I really didn't. Um, And I think that's what makes it very frustrating is you're doing everything you know to do or everything you're being told to do, everything you're being advised by medical professionals to do, but it still doesn't guarantee an outcome. And, and, you know, I know the women go through far more than the men for all of the obvious reasons, but the one thing this really gets the men on is like, we're problem solvers, we're fixers, yet we are facing a problem that we don't have a solution for. And there's Mm -hmm. very little and sometimes nothing we can do to change the outcome. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, that pales in comparison to to the emotional and physical things the women go through as as their role in IVF. But uh, the whole the whole situation of being faced with this dilemma, especially one that involves starting a family and not being able to to do anything or or having very little control over it is is probably one of the more Mm -hmm. frustrating parts of it all that people do not understand. Absolutely. So can I ask, how did this affect your relationship? Was it hard on you guys? Do you know, did you have some hard conversations? Were there points where you weren't seeing eye to eye? What was going on? You're smiling. (laughs) Well, it's, it's interesting that you asked that because we, we, we talk now very openly about our situation and have talked with a lot of couples. So we know the strain that it creates Mm -hmm. and we know, you know, the communication issues that sometimes exist in marriages that, you know, this is like throwing gasoline on that. But for us, it, it actually brought us closer. And I know that's weird. And, and I actually hate to say that to your listeners who are probably struggling and this is creating division or resentment or distance in their marriage. But, you know, it was something that I am I am grateful that we went through it because we are in a far better place now, not only as individuals, but as a couple than we were. And I think that's I think early on, you have to make a decision for those listening who are just starting down this path. Like you, you can let this divide you and you can let this tear you apart. Mm-hmm. Or, or you can be very intentional about letting this be something that that grows your marriage and strengthens your marriage, unlike anything else you faced up to this point. And that was the decision we made. And I think too, it's 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 tough though because you know a lot of times when the decision is made to have children, the woman is like, "We've got to do it now. We've got to do X, Y, Z." And I think it's important to not harbor one resentment towards each other, but also to make sure that you're on the same page. And if your spouse is saying, hey, I think we need to step back for certain reasons that the other spouse needs to, you know, really try to respect that because you want to be on the same page when you move forward. And one of you may be wanting to do a treatment that maybe the other spouse is not necessarily on board with yet. And we know a number of couples where particularly the husband has stepped in and said, hey, I'm not really comfortable with this, or I'm not really sure what this doctor is saying. I really feel like we need to seek a second opinion. And it turns out that seeking that second opinion or taking that step back and reevaluating things has really turned out for the best. And so, yes, it did bring us together. And it doesn't mean we were always on the same page about moving forward at times. Um, You know, as we kind of fast forward through our story, there's, you know, there is one point where Rodney was really like, hey, do we want to try IVF again? And I eventually had to say, look, we've already done this five times. I don't, see how the outcome with the traditional IVF is going to be any different than what we've done previously. And then after, you know, he thought about it, you know, we, we, can, we got on the same page at that, where at the same time, Ronnie was really starting to push traditional adoption. And I still had said, hey, I think I need some time on this because I really feel like that I'm supposed to be, be pregnant. But, you know, we, we can start looking into it. But, you know, I've got to work through some things to be ready, you know, to step forward you know, in that process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So you said that you did the IVF five times and I know that your whole story was like a 10-year journey. So can you tell me, um, you know, what happened after that first round of IVF where you didn't get to do the transfer? This episode is brought to you by Vegamore. I'm always trying to do right by my body. So when it comes to my hair and scalp health, finding a product that actually works and is made with clean ingredients always seems like a trade-off. But with Vegamore, I get products that are made with clean ingredients and give me visibly healthy hair and scalp. With Vegamore, I am able to have noticeably thicker, fuller, shinier, longer hair, all without the harsh ingredients. 
every cute pink bottle of Vegamore products are 100% cruelty-free and are never formulated with potentially harmful chemicals like parabens or hormones. Okay, so I got my box of Vegamore products and I've been using them all for the past month. The shampoo, the conditioner, the grow hair serum, the hair foam, the eyelash serum, the eyebrow serum. It's been about a month, like I said, and my hair really does feel stronger and thicker. Everything looks better. And the shampoo in particular, I have to say, smells really good. The key is consistency in your routine for your most beautiful, healthy looking hair. I use Vegamore Grow Hair Serum daily and my hair and scalp are feeling better than ever. Here's another cool thing. Vegamore has these great value kits like the Grow Essentials Kit, where you get to try more than one amazing product at a time at great savings. So when you sign up for a monthly subscription, you save more and you never run low on the products that you need. And fun fact, guys, Vegamore sells one bottle of the Grow Hair Serum every 15 seconds on their website. That's how good this stuff is. So here is the deal, my beautiful listeners. For a limited time, you can get 20% off your first order by going to vegamore.com slash infertileaf and using code infertileaf at checkout. That's V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R.com slash infertileaf, code infertileaf to save 20% on your first order. V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R.com slash infertileaf, code infertileaf. Thanks, Vegamore. Sure. So after we did that, we kind of stepped back and talked with the physicians. And at that point in time, you know, that was only the first time we had gone through it. And so number one, they said it was not a lab issue because a lot of times if that happens, there's something with the lab, but everybody else in that cycle was able to have transfers. So the explanation was, well, it could be your eggs, but we don't really know. Um, Or it could be the medication because I did have a great response. And so it was more maybe a quality over quantity issue. So we kind of regrouped um, and went through it again. And um, with that particular clinic, we went through it two additional times. And each time the same thing happened. We we never achieved a viable embryo. And so Mm -hmm. we never had a transfer. And Mm -hmm. so we then moved on, sought a second opinion. And even with the blessing of where we were, they said, look, you know, we feel like we've done what we can, you know, here, they even gave us some suggestions of places. And so we went to New, went up to New York mm-hmm. and went through another round of IVF there. That was actually the first time in our journey we ever had a transfer because mm-hmm. they will do a day three transfer. But even then, um, the doctor advised that he really thought it was not going to result in a pregnancy because the cellular division, again, wasn't where it should be. And so we then saw each time, hey, when our sperm and egg come together, it's kind of go back to biology, but you know, yeah, please. The, the the embryo was not dividing uh, like like it should be, and so we then um, we then did a, a, another form of IVF uh, called Invisel, um, which is a lighter stimulation, two times. Thinking, well, maybe it was the medication that was affecting the egg quality because mm-hmm. that's kind of the direction everybody was going, but again. We never, we didn't have a transfer with that because the embryos stopped developing as well. And so when that happened, the doctors essentially said, look, you know, we can't tell you hundred percent, but it appears to be an egg quality issue because the egg was supposed to continue driving the cellular division. And that just doesn't happen in okay. your case. So at that point, did they suggest possibly donor eggs? Yes, we heard a lot. We heard a lot of that from I would, I think three of the specialists we were seeing, you know, once they identify what they believe to be the problem, they're like, well, you can, you can solve that by just doing donor eggs. And that was, Uh that was pushed very heavily. And it's something we considered. Yeah. Um, We just never got to a point where both of us were like, yeah, this is our path. Okay. Um, Can you tell me a little bit more about that? What was the thought process? And again, obviously there's no right or wrong answer here. It's whatever you guys feel comfortable with. So what was your, what were the conversations surrounding that, that you guys had? Yeah, well, I can tell you, again, being an open book from my standpoint as the husband, there was a a concern within me. And and I'm sure a lot of your listeners have done this and they don't have this problem. But for me, there was always this concern that if we did donor egg, the child would be biologically or genetically half mine and none of Mary Leah's. And I did not want there to ever be anything in the back of her head 
you know, later down the road to where she viewed that as, you know, something she couldn't get over. Mm. And, and now that I see her with children, I understand that would have never been a problem. Like she, you know, mm-hmm. currently we have kids that are 0% <laughs> biologically or genetically ours, and we could not love them anymore if they were 100%. Right. But that was, yeah. that was the concern of mine is that. Yeah, that you make a really interesting point, Rodney. Thank you for saying that. Did you have anything else to add on? No, I just think, and I think to just some of our faith beliefs, we kind of had a questioning on that as well as to whether or not, you know, we felt like this was was, was the path for us to take. Yeah. And, I, you know, I don't know that we ever landed anywhere on that. It's not like we went and, and spoke with our pastor or, or did a deep dive on it. We just knew initially there was just an uncomfortability with it mm-hmm. with us. And, you know, whether it was that or or that our plan and journey was to be something else, which we're now 100% convinced it was embryo adoption, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I can't say, but, you know, that was a part of the conversation. Are we, are we, you know, going too far or doing something we're not supposed to do? And I'm very hesitant to to say even that much because I tell people all the time, they come to us with questions, you know, do I do donor egg? Do I do donor sperm? Do I do this, do that? And I'm like, that that is your call. I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not going to, to to try to tell anyone that any step or process they take to, to have a family and to create life and children is, is right or wrong. Uh, I, mm-hmm. you know, I, I just recommend to people spend some time with your, with your spouse and, and in prayer, if that's a part of your life and, and see if you two can get to a point of comfortability with whatever it is you're considering. Um, but yeah, that, that was sent to us a lot. And we just never, it was just never, mm-hmm. never anything where we were like, Oh yeah, this is our path. This yeah. is it. Okay. Yeah, I would, I would just say for each of us, I, I don't know if there was one big reason. I just think for both of us, I mean, Rodney obviously has his main reason, but I think just for both of us, we just kind of felt like, well, we're not really sure. We didn't have a piece about it that this was supposed to be the path for us. And we know people that have done both donor sperm and donor egg, and they have beautiful families. And so I think just to echo what Rodney said, like the, people that are walking through this, you and your spouse just need to be on the same page and comfortable with whatever you're doing. And, you know, if, if you are, then, then go for it. Because, you know, I think whatever the decision is made on how you create your family, that needs to be yours and one that you and your spouse are in agreement, you know, in agreement on. So and when I look at those families, we know who use donor egg and donor mm-hmm. sperm and, and I see them and their kids, I would never, it, it never even attempt in any way, shape, or form to tell them that that they made the wrong choice. No. Like they are, they have their family, they love their kids. That is their journey and their mm-hmm. story, and and I am so happy for them. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It just it just wasn't it just wasn't something that we felt was supposed to be part of our journey mm-hmm. and how our journey has has gone. We now looking back realize like this is exactly the journey that we were supposed to be on. And while mm-hmm. We are big advocates of embryo adoption. We know that that is not something for for everybody. So right. So when did embryo adoption enter the conversation? It entered the conversation. We remember the weekend. We were down at the beach Memorial Day weekend of 2020, um, and we had some friends. I think they sent us a text saying, "Hey, we have some other friends." You know, uh, it was other friends of theirs who had done embryo adoption and now had a daughter like recently. And they're like, have y'all ever heard of this or considered this? And at this point we had been involved in going down infertility for seven years and Mm -hmm. had no idea that this was an option. None of our our fertility specialists had ever mentioned this to us. That's so interesting that it never came up. Yeah. And, you know, especially after seven years, I mean, someone's, you know, just been in this for a year or two and they're just doing their first IVF cycle. I understand, but we've been down. I thought we had heard of everything. And at this point we were considering traditional adoption. And so we heard about this and like that evening started looking online. We looked at snowflakes because that's who these people did their embryo adoption through. And, you know, earlier I was saying with the the egg donor, we just never got to that, that thing. We're like, ah, this is our, this is our path. Immediately that evening, we were both like, this is it. This is what we're supposed to do. Like there was this, this new hope, like we'd never given up on hope. We knew we were going to have a family. We mm-hmm. clearly didn't know how we were going to get there. But all of a sudden that night, it was like, let's celebrate. It's, you know, this is it. And we immediately started the process of adopting embryos. Okay. So what do you think changed for you? Why do you think you were like, okay, now this is our path. What clicked for you? I really, I don't know if we can point to anything other than 
just both of us each on our own looking at it, really thinking about it. I mean, I don't know what to say other than there was enough peace and an excitement about it. Like, I think this is what we're supposed to do. I don't know. For me, I can't really point to anything in particular. What well, about for, you? For me, at, at that point in time, I was okay with traditional adoption. Mary Leah was not. We had discussed it. And she was like, Rodney, I really, you know, I feel like I'm supposed to be pregnant. I feel like that's a call upon me. I think I'm supposed to experience that part of it all. And so I was, I was a little further along in my desperation to have kids. Um, and so I was considering traditional adoption. We weren't on the same page. That was something we were always big about uh, ensuring is that we were on the same page. And so when this came up, I just saw Mary Leah's face light up. And then I was like, this does kind of address the issues we're facing. And then on top of that, there was just an excitement to me or with me to learn that there are thousands of embryos that are frozen and they're just waiting for someone to give them a chance. You know, most of them are the result of a family that has had a successful IVF cycle and maybe they filled up their family and have three or four kids and, you know, that was their plan, but they have extra embryos and they don't want to discard them. And, and another situation, which is the one hour uh, that relates between us and our placing family is they, they have two kids, but during their, their second pregnancy, the mother experienced a, a very serious health complication. And it's our understanding she was advised not to, you know, to, to do another pregnancy, but here they have these five frozen embryos that they didn't want to discard. So uh, just that whole idea just really uh, awakened me and gave me mm-hmm. new hope that like, this is, mm-hmm. this is a way to start a family. And it's also really neat. It's really cool. You know, our, our children, it's are so cool. In years. And so I'm just like, that is just so neat that, you know, and they have biological siblings that were created and conceived at the same time of them that are 10 or 11 years older than them. So I'm just like, I yeah. was, I was just, amazing. The science is just, it is pretty mind blowing when you think about it. Okay. So tell me, you said you guys started right away down the path of embryo adoption. What did that entail? Well, in the midst of COVID a lot, (laughs) uh, it is very hard to get uh, a law enforcement agency to allow you to come into the police station to fingerprint you uh, in the midst of COVID. But other than that. So that was something you had to do. That was one of the first steps. Yes, yes. we had okay. to, we had to travel to another city to to find someone who would do that because of the the timing with COVID. But other than that, it's really a lot like traditional adoption. Mm-hmm. There, there's a home study. I mean, they come in to check out our house. You know, make okay, sure. We sorry, have- wait, backtrack one second. How, where yeah. did you even know where to begin? Like, did you hook up with an agency or? You know, how were you even yes. getting the ball? Okay, right? sorry. I, no, I that's okay. I'm sorry either. to interrupt. So we reached out to Snowflake's uh, embryo adoption agency, which I think is out of California, which is you know, the agency that our, our friends friends had used. Okay. And so we reached out to them and it's like, gotcha. what is the process? What do we do here? Right. And they, they gave us a list of, you know, the things to check off. And one of them was, you know, you have to get fingerprinted. They do a background check. They sent someone over to do a home study as if we were doing, you know, traditional adoption or becoming foster parents. Uh, they They looked into you know, how long we had been married and what our journey had been. So, you know, from that standpoint, it's a lot like traditional adoption. And and so we moved rather quick just because at this point we've been trying to have kids for eight or nine years. And and so even in the midst of COVID, I think the the lady with Snowflakes made the comment that we got our stuff together and in quicker than anyone she ever <laughs> dealt with. You're like, we are motivated. Yes. yes. It's like, can we do a transfer next week? So, right. so, and then once you get through that, the the next part of the process after you get everything in is they have a, a call with you and they just run over a list of factors to find out, you know, what you're looking for. And one of the things they ask is like, do you want, are you okay with the embryos being, you know, from donor egg or donor sperm? Uh, they ask you about the race of embryos that you're seeking. They ask you about the contact you want with the family, whether you want an, a completely open direct line of communication with the family, the placing family, or do you want something that's semi-open where communications are run through the agency? Mm-hmm. Uh, so they, they, they get a lot of preferences from you. And then what they do is they take all that information and they, they match you with a family that has similar preferences. Okay. And so that family then has, they get our family profile, they get our first names, photos, uh, a, a little history of who we are, but they don't get our any identifying factors. They don't know what city we live in. They don't get our last names. And so that that family then has two weeks to accept or decline us. And if they decline us, we never know they existed. If they accept us, we get their profile and three three generations of their family's health history. And then we have two weeks to accept or decline. And, okay. and that's how they work towards a match. Yeah. I'm curious about the communication bit. What was your preference in terms of how open it would be with the the 
you know, people that donated the embryos? Yes. So early on, our preference was that there would be communication, but it had to run through the agency, meaning if they wanted an update or if they wanted photos, they had to contact the agency and then the agency would contact us. We have since changed on that and we have direct communication with our family. And, you know, they are according to the agreement, they can request updates and we can provide them as often as we want, but no less than once a year. And so that's where we ultimately landed. Um, yeah, and so it's 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 a good arrangement. We've already sent them an email and some photos um, mm-hmm. of Dalton and Mary Elizabeth, and we we're probably due to send them another. But it is a difficult position to be in because we try to put ourselves in their shoes, and we think there are two extremes. There's one where you want an update all the time. You want to mm-hmm. know that your biological kids are in a good home and being loved and having fun and being taken care of. But then the other end of that is, you know, these are your biological kids and maybe it's too difficult to get updates. So mm-hmm. you'd rather just put it in the back of your mind. So we are, we are very flexible there and very sensitive to our placing family and what it is their desires may be. And we're, we're trying to fill that out. It's not like we've given them this ultimatum of tell us how often you want stuff. We're just trying to, to be sensitive to where they may be. And so far it seems like they are fine and happy to receive updates as often as we want to provide them. Okay. So the terminology is there called the placing family, the placing of the donor, the placing of the donor family. Okay. And then what are you guys called? Is it intended parents or adopting family, adopting family? Okay. Interesting. See, I I feel like every episode I learned something new. I didn't know that terminology. Um, Well, I'll tell you the adopting family terminology. We're both attorneys. So this uh, has always been interesting to us in that the law hasn't called up to the science. Mm. The, The way the law sees it, these embryos are property and the agreement between the parties is no different than one to sell a vehicle. Uh, but well, it's a little different. It's got a lot more language. Well, it, yes. yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, the way the law Mary Lee carried them for nine months, Mary Lee birthed them and you're there in the hospital. It is our name on their birth certificates mm-hmm. as parents. So the, the placing family doesn't necessarily, they don't have any rights and, mm-hmm. you know, whatsoever, but you know, they, the agency and everyone else still sees it as we are adopting Basically, they say like we're adopting children just nine months earlier than than a traditional adoption. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting. I'm just picturing you guys as two brilliant lawyers, like going through this paperwork and like, tear, <laughs> you know, like taking it apart and like dissecting it and trying to figure it all out. Like, it's so cool that you have that background because somebody like me who has no law background, I would have been like, oh, OK, where do I sign? Like, yes. But, you know, the good thing is that Snowflakes, which is part of Nightlight Christian Adoption Agency, They've been doing this for over 20 years. And so they are very knowledgeable. Um, you know, they have the contract that is legally sound. And so, you know, we were very comfortable doing it. So in terms of the differences of a traditional adoption, there's not a formal hearing where you go before a court and have, you know, parental rights terminated or anything like that. Um, because as Rodney said, it is at, at the time you receive them, it's a transfer, a transfer of property. And mm-hmm. so it's a contractual agreement for the transfer of property. Yeah, and according to the law, we are we are their parents just as anybody else mm-hmm. who conceived 100 percent genetic biological kids. Mm-hmm. And so I don't want any of your your listeners who may be considering this to get overwhelmed by by that part of it all. Mm-hmm. Snowflakes facilitates everything. Right. They okay. are they are the go-between, they have the contract, right? They tweak it based on you know, the contact that, that each side prefers. So there, it's not like you have to do all this and deal with this family and negotiate. That's all this. good. <laughs> you know, for, for lack of a better phrase, it's in the can. Gotcha. Okay. So tell me about when you did find this donor, you know, family, how did you guys, how did that whole thing shake out? And when did you realize that you were going to be doing this together? So we, you know, we were, we were told we were matched, which was very exciting that, you know, just an honor to to realize that somebody reads about you on a piece of paper and thinks that you're worthy of it's going to make me cry but worthy of of receiving their embryos and to give you the gift of a family so it is oh, very overwhelming and exciting at the same time and just honestly just an honor so when we found mm. out that we were chosen i mean we were just ecstatic and then we wanted to learn you know a little bit about them Um, You do see pictures of the children that they have. So you can maybe get an idea of like what your children would look like one day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and so, and, and our family just seems just so sweet, just absolutely precious. And 
we definitely did not take the two weeks. We, you know, we, we looked over the profile and immediately then Rodney's like, do you need any time to think about it? And, and we really did not. No. So mm-hmm. we got we, it. We slept on it just because. Right. Like we, right. <laughs> right. Due yeah. diligence. <laughs> right. Yeah. right. These, these are children. We should put a little bit more time and thought <laughs> into this. But yes. But, we, we but that must been, that must have been so exciting. And I love Mary Leah that you, you know, you said that you felt honored. That's really cool. Yes. I mean, you know, because I've tried to put myself in the placings family shoes as well. And I just think it is such a selfless act what these placings families do because they have such, you know, high regard for not only their children, but their embryos that, you know, and then also just their heart because they they want to see their embryos go through the natural process. So they are willing you know, to essentially donate them to another family um, to start their own family. And so I just think it's it's just an absolutely amazing thing. And it is a true honor to realize that somebody is entrusting you with such a precious gift. Biggest compliment I can I can imagine is for someone to do that. And we we can't thank them enough. Mm-hmm. I mean we have we have a family now because of their willingness and their trust in us to to take on their embryos. And it's just, yeah, we, we can't thank them enough. Okay. So how many embryos did they have? So they had five. So they okay. had five embryos and they were, you know, one of the things for us that was really exciting is that our embryos would arrest. And so they had five embryos that had reached day five of the blastocyst stage. So we mm-hmm. knew that these embryos were in fact viable and that could result, you know, in a pregnancy. Some of the, you know, some embryos maybe were frozen at a stage where they had not reached that, but we knew that these at least had made it to blastocyst and if transferred are, are viable and could potentially result in a pregnancy. And so that just provided us a little more hope because that was a step in the process that we right. had never gotten to. So yeah. I felt like one step closer to the finish line. And, and did you say when they had been frozen? Was it, You said it was like 10 years ago or? Yeah, if I remember correctly, it was in February of 2010 or 2011. Or, That's or so I, I, cool. We have it. Yeah, okay. we, we have that info. I just can't remember off the top of my head, but it, it yeah. was about 10 years. And, okay. about, and around about the same time that we kind of started our journey. So we just... We found that to be really we, neat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's really, okay. So then what are the next steps? I'm sure you're like, okay, let's get the ball rolling. Let's go, let's go, let's go. What happened next? So, yeah. So, you know, once, once you match the embryos or that, so Snowflakes has partner clinics throughout the United States. And so once the contract and everything was in place and they were ours, then the embryos are transferred and we don't know where they are initially housed, but they are then transferred from that facility to the partner clinic that, that we chose. And yeah. And so then, then you work with that clinic to set up, set up the embryo transfer. Um, I will say this, I think it's important to mention that at least in terms of the process for the woman, you do have to get clearance from a medical professional if you're going to go through embryo adoption that says that there is nothing physically preventing you from carrying a child. So my issue was conceiving, but there was, you know, all of my doctors didn't see a reason why I wouldn't be able to actually get pregnant and care and carry the child. Mm -hmm. But you hadn't been pregnant yet before, right? Correct. No. Okay. Um, so that was one of the things that, that that you do have to do. Yeah. Um. And so yeah, we set up the the embryo transfer with. So we received five. Okay. And we transferred two initially, and we now have twins. Okay. <laughs> so when it uh, when the it, doctor thought the two, and he's like, "I hope y'all are okay with twins, and don't call me to babysit because these are high quality embryos, and you know." And, <laughs> Did you guys have a a say in which of the five, like, did you know the genders or were they graded differently? Um, How did you guys decide? And you don't have to say any of this if you don't want to, because I know that's a pretty personal question, but. We did, we did not have access to that information. It was just, you know, I know they, they come in their straws and there can be two or three per straw. And so when you thought a straw, you thought, you thought all of them in there and ours, the one straw they thought only had two. And so when we got there that morning, you know, there, there'd been no testing to determine okay. um, gender or anything like that. The doc, the doctor and the embryologist did tell us they gave us the grade and they were very high quality 
And, you know, that goes to what I just said. He, he says, uh, I hope you're okay with twins. <laughs> Cause he's basically um, like, this is going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. He was, wow. and we were like, you know, while most people would be like, Oh no, we were like, yay. You know, <laughs> oh my gosh. Twice the blessing. So. Yeah. So tell me about the transfer day and then fast forwarding to when you found out that it had worked. So I think many people may know, but they may not know. So, you know, I, on the front end, um, had essentially tricked my body you know, into a cycle and being prepared to to receive the the embryo. So there was medication that the woman has to take up leading to the transfer. Um, and you know, we we loved our clinic and our physicians that we were working with um, in this process. And so you know, we went in. The transfer itself is is very sim- simple. It does not take very long. So we went in, did the transfer. We're done in about I don't know. 10 minutes, five minutes. Um, Isn't it wild how quick it is? Like so many people have said that so many of our fertility rally members too are like, it's kind of anticlimactic. Like there's so much buildup and then they're like, all right, we're done. Yes. And so, and then we waited the 10 days to to go do my blood test and and to see, you know, to to, to see um, what it showed. So, and that I did locally because the the clinic was a little bit further away from where Mm -hmm. we're located. Um, mm-hmm. within driving distance, but I, I could do everything else here, here locally. And, okay. you know, we went in and it showed we were pregnant. So oh we my gosh. a couple more weeks for the first ultrasound. And that's when we went in and we're like, do you see what I see? And I'm like, well, I think I see, but I would like for you to tell me because I want to make sure I'm seeing what, what you see. And, and there were two little embryonic sacs there. Oh my gosh. Best moment of your life. I'm sure. Yes. yes. That's so incredible. So did you, leading up to the test and the ultrasound, did you have any symptoms or you weren't like early testing or anything like that? No. So throughout all of this, I had been kind of by the, I don't want to say by the book. I'm Mary like, Leah's quite the rule follower. Yes. I would have been fine here peeling the stick. <laughs> But she was like, no, we wait 10 days. It's blood work. I did the same thing, Mary Leah. I was so worried that I was going to get like a false negative or a false yes. positive. I just waited. Yeah. So we waited, but it was just, you know, having waited so long for 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 good news, um, it was just I don't even know how to describe it. And then it was like, okay, but no, I didn't have any, I did not have any symptoms initially. You know, once we found out, then I did, you know, I did have really they call it morning sickness, but it doesn't happen just in the morning, you know. Um, you know, I, I would get sick, but I think I may be the only person that would send their husband the little like emoji that looks like they're getting sick, but also with the little price hands, because I was very excited every time I got sick, just because, <laughs> you know, it was comforting to me to know, Hey, I'm having these symptoms. So that I get means it. Everything is okay. Yeah. So, I get that hundred percent. There would be a couple of days, like around lunch, Mary Lee would call me and just say, Ronnie, you're not going to believe And I'm like, what? what? She goes, I haven't gotten sick today. I think I need to call the doctor. I was like, you're fine. You don't have to get sick every day. This is, you know, not getting sick doesn't mean something's happened to the pregnancy, but she right. would really get distraught if she wasn't, you know, sick. Right. <laughs> you're like, I threw up. Yes. 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 Yeah, yes. I get That's it. exactly how it went. Exactly I get it. it oh my gosh. So when were these two little precious twins born? So these little guys uh, made their appearance a little bit early, but not too early. So I made it to 37 weeks in one day. And so they were born on December 23rd. So right before Christmas. Oh my gosh. So did you know the gender or were you guys waiting to find out? Okay. We- <laughs> so funny story there. Yeah. I was actually like in the middle of, of a hearing with a witness on the stand and Mary Leah's, you know, at the doctor's appointment, I'm like, I'm in South Carolina, I'm in a completely different state. She's like, they have the results to so know the gender. And I'm like, yes. And then like five minutes go by and she, she hasn't responded. I'm like, are you going to tell me the gender? She's waiting on the doctor. And then, you know, five more minutes goes by and she's like, all right, I just heard from the doctor sending you a video and I'm like, I, I'm, I'm in a, I'm in a, a trial. I have a witness on the stand. I can't watch your video of the doctor sharing this info for the love. Will you please just text me what we're having? Oh and my finally, God. finally I get little boy, little girl and, um, and was beside myself and excited, but it was, it was a long drawn out nerve wracking process yeah. that morning that I'll never forget. Yeah. So we did the blood test for, um, you know, they, they look at that and, and some other things. And so that's how we found out. But the, the the results came back sooner than what we thought. 
So we thought I was going to go in, just have this normal appointment, and then maybe we would get the results later. And when I went in, they had gotten the results back. And I thought, oh my goodness, Rodney is not here. We have waited so long for this. So I was like, I don't even know if I'm going to get a hold of him. Should I just wait to find out? Because I feel like he should really be here. And so afterwards, Rodney's like, we have waited so long. No, I was not going to wait another second. I wanted to know what they were, even if it was via a text message. So that's how Rodney found out we were having a little boy and a little girl. <laughs> but I love that you wanted to send him a video. He's like, I'm yeah. on. I'm literally on. <laughs> she knows on what I'm doing. She knows, like, I can't, but still just. Uh, well, oh, I my God. Watch it later. But he's like, would you please just type out in words? <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Well, I'm so happy for you guys that you finally have your family. And I know it was such a long road. Before we wrap, I would love for you guys to talk a little bit more about embryo adoption. And if anybody is maybe considering it or, you know, doesn't really know, what kind of words of of advice would you have for somebody that's maybe like a little bit unsure or maybe some things that you know for sure about it that people might not know? I would I would suggest they start if, if they're considering it even in the slightest by going to the, the Snowflakes website. They have a ton of information there. I, I will never forget the night we first heard about this and visited that website. And without even talking to somebody with the agency, we just had this renewed hope and peace and, and excitement about it all. And and if there is any hesitation there with anyone that, well, you know, they're they're still adopted, they're still not genetically yours, I, I would tell them we have had hours for Dalton and Mary Elizabeth for a little over four months now. And it takes doing a podcast or, or something like this for me to even think that or realize or remember that they're adopted. Days, if not weeks, go by of me hanging out with them, feeding them, playing them, laying in the floor with them, you know, taking them for walks. And it do, it never crosses my mind that these children are not biologically mine. Like there, there's not there's no stigma. There's nothing in the back of my head. Like these are our children. And, you know, our journey was long. It was 10 years. But looking back on it, now that I have these two in my arms, I wouldn't change anything about it. The The only thing, it, it, assuming you would even call it a regret, is that we didn't know this was an option sooner, which is one of the reasons we are mm. very willing and open to tell our story and to do mm-hmm. podcasts like this. It's just to raise awareness because we wish we would have, you know, had, had uh, yeah, I don't know, encountered someone's news article or podcast or something telling about this journey earlier because we were we were neck deep in this for seven years and had no idea. And so had we known about it, we would have tried it earlier. I mean, we have two four-month-olds and I'm 45. Mary mm-hmm. Leah's 41. We still have three frozen embryos. Like I would have liked to have known about mm-hmm. this sooner. Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely look into it and, and, and consider it, especially in, in light of the fact there are thousands of them out there. They're just, you know, waiting for someone to come along and, and for a woman's body to be the vessel to give them a chance at life. And we have no regrets. These children, you know, I, I think I mentioned it earlier. I, you know, I, I can understand that if I had my own biological children, I could love them as much as these two, but I could not love them more than these two. There, there's nothing about the fact that they're adopted that that I guess diminishes my idea of family or our family or them being my kids than, you know, than if they were 100% ours. It's just, it's just amazing. The science is amazing. The, the way, the whole process, it's just, yeah, it's awesome. And these two, Mary Elizabeth and Dalton, they have a story to tell and, and their, their journey is a little different, but, uh, also, at the same time, probably a little more exciting. Yeah. Now, I'll just say there, there are a lot of families out there. So Dalton is the a thousandth baby born of the Snowflakes program, and so there are at least a thousand other families out there, and there have been more born since since they were born. And so this is something that that is available to couples that are looking for their next steps. And for me, you know, we mentioned that I felt like I was supposed to be pregnant, and we didn't know how that would come about. And I think for a lot of women, one of the struggles in infertility is feeling like something's wrong with me, particularly if there's an issue on the woman's side, like why can't I get pregnant? And, you know, I was able to carry these two children. So I was able to experience all the highs and the lows and and the joys of pregnancy, but that's something that, that I wanted to do. And so you know, I cared for them. I knew what what they what I was feeding them um and it was able to take care of myself and with my physicians to deliver them and get them here safely. And so, you know, that was one of the things that I would just say for for people that are struggling, please look into it. Um, 
The Snowflakes program, like I said, is part of Nightlight um, Christian Adoption. So you can go to nightlight.org. And from there, you can find the Snowflakes page and they'll answer any questions that you have. And I think you can even, you know, if you have questions, reach out to the team. They are amazing and they'll be able, you know, to help you. So like Rodney said, the thing that we just really want to express is that this is an option for families. We have gone through it. It has been the biggest blessing in our life. And the one thing we wish we had known about, we wish we had just known about it sooner is is the one, like Rodney said, if it is a regret, it's the only thing that we have is Mm -hmm. we wish we had learned about it sooner. And so Mm -hmm. hope for anyone that's listening, if they're kind of at a fork in their journey, um, check it out. It may not be for you, but it was definitely the journey that we were supposed to be on. And because of it, we have a beautiful family now. I love that. So do you think that they will meet their biological siblings with the the donor family? Have you guys talked about that at all? Or we have. That's one of the things that that was considered and factored into to our agreement to adopt them. Is we told the, you know, the 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 donor family that, you know, look, we don't want a bunch of direct communication. We don't think we're ever going to spend, you know, spring break at the beach with them because, you know, we're we're not <laughs> some just awesome ambassadors or you're right. anything like people who are foster parents. Like we haven't been able to have kids. This is going to be our family, but we we were very clear and we wanted a placing family that agreed with this, that when Mary, Liz, Mary Elizabeth and Dalton turn 18, if they had this desire to connect with their biological family, their biological parents, their biological siblings, we will be front of the line to facilitate that. And we wanted a placing family or a donor family that would be agreeable to that also, because we didn't want a situation where, you know, we're going to be very truthful and upfront and honest with our kids about their journey. And we didn't want it to be a situation where they're, you know, they become adults now and they're like, well, we, we would love to connect with our biological siblings. They have two brothers out there, um, but, but, but be in a position where the placing family is not willing to do that. So that, that is something that, that they matched us on and that we're all in agreement on and I, I hope does occur one day. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Please check out Fertility Rally if you're looking for a community, a place that gets it and you want to find your people. We are open. The membership is open. So check us out at fertilityrally.com. You can also go to our Instagram at Fertility Rally. You can always DM us. DM me at Infertile AF Stories if you have any questions. We have a guys group. We have Rally Guys. We have a general infertility group with about more than 500 members worldwide. So join our group. We've got tons of support groups and events and all the things that I wish I had while I was going through it. This community was created for you. So if you or somebody you love or know needs support, please know that you're not alone and come and check us out. All right. Thanks again to the Millers and thank you guys for listening. I'll talk to you next time. being upsold at gyms my guy you're currently a base member for 90 dollars more i can upgrade you to our shred membership for 130 more you'll be a swole member and for just 300 more you'll reach sweat platinum at planet fitness you'll get energy without the upsell never pushy always free fitness training and equipment for every workout it's fitness that fits your budget join planet fitness for just one dollar down and ten dollars a month cancel anytime deal ends friday may 10th see home club for details